welcome to Trashlight. I am one of your hosts, Colleen. And I am your other host, Rebecca. And here on Trashlight, we talk about the good, the bad, and the culturally relevant from Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga, chapter by chapter. Today we are talking about chapter 25. It is called Favor. In this chapter, Bella and Edward emerge from their horny stupor. Um, they smell their way to practical clothing. We will elaborate later. And they run home. They get roasted for how vanilla their sex life is. And then they learn that Jacob has done the most selfish thing he's done in all of these books, which is honestly impressive, which is tell Charlie what's going on after honestly too brief of a period of people being righteously angry at Jacob as he comes back and pretends, feigns ignorance at the terrible pain and inconvenience he has caused to literally everyone around him, Charlie shows up, and the big twist of this chapter is that Bella doesn't eat him, and they have a pretty awkward interaction, and that's the end of the chapter. Yes. It's bad. It's long. It's bad. It's a very long chapter. At least there's plot, kind of. Yes. Things things happen in this chapter, which is more than can be said for a lot of the more recent ones. <sighs> yeah. But they're not good things. Yeah, there's a lot to dig into vis-a-vis, like, is any plot good plot, which we'll get into when we get into, but we really should start with the horny stupor, I think. <sighs> yes, as they get out of horny jail. Uh, they should remain in horny jail forever. They they really should. Bonk. <laughs> yeah, bonk. <laughs> it's it's so they're so horny so quickly and so like i guess vampires don't get tired but they're just simply too horny yeah oh god really yes and bella is just too distractible i guess it's she oscillates so rapidly between horny and caring about other things and then back to horny and i think it's an attempt to give depth to her vampirism and like conflict to her vampirism because there is no other real conflict to her vampirism it's it just doesn't come across well no it it's it's weird to say this because we're talking about an 18 year old character yeah but it it makes her come across as very young and immature. Like, mm -hmm. yes. And like I said, that's odd to say about an 18 year old because she should be young and immature. That is baked yeah. into being an 18 year old. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't showcase her immaturity in a way that particularly benefits the story or her characterization. And it, doesn't showcase her immaturity in a way that is particularly 18. No, it's it's ineffective on several levels. I think Stephanie Meyer was just horny when she was writing this part of the book. Yikes. It's, I mean, it comes across as the person writing this was horny and trying to ignore it so that they could write a chapter. Like, it doesn't yeah, actually yeah. come across as the character is horny. No, it, it does feel very forced. This yeah. whole, this part of the chapter does feel very forced. Yeah. Um, and we do have to talk about, because the conflict here is, does Bella want to be horny and stay with Edward? Or should she and Edward go and see her daughter? Um, their daughter. 
uh, let's, let's give equal, equal ownership to the child here. And she has this sort of inner monologue of how she doesn't really feel like a mother. Mm -hmm. And I do want us to sink our teeth into that a little bit because there's a lot to delve into here. Um, and I don't know, I think there's going to be more to talk about in this regard as the book goes on, because I do think it's reflective of Stephanie Meyer's thoughts on the role of motherhood. Um, because Bella is supposed to be this ideal character, first person narrator, whatever. Um, and Renesme is supposed to be the perfect child. Yet Bella doesn't do any real mothering. We haven't seen Bella mother Renesme. Period. Motherhood is so much more than carrying a child to term and then carrying your child from room to room. And that's all that Bella's done. Yeah, it's almost to me, and I, I think that you might possibly be able to connect the thread that I am about to follow to what you were talking about originally, which yeah. might like make a salient point. To me, this section felt like I think, as someone who works with a lot of children and their parents, I'm a teacher. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm a teacher. I, I talk to kids more than I talk to adults. Um, there, I think, in media and in the cultural, the Western cultural consciousness, at least, there is this idea that, like, not solely for mothers, but that once you become a parent, that is your identity. You are a parent, you are taking your kid to soccer, you're taking your kid to violin lessons, you're taking your kid to tutoring, and like everything in your life is about your child once you've had the child. And I don't think that's a healthy way to, like, let me no. be clear. And it is particularly prevalent for women. Yes. And so I think the way that this read to me was like fascinating in this way that it seemed like Bella felt like she could either be an individual with an identity and a life and specifically a sex life and a, and an adulthood. Mm -hmm. I think in this sense, her sex life is kind of representing her adulthood, right? Yeah. 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 Or she could be a mother and that you really can't be both, which is wild for several reasons. A, because <laughs> you, you can't be a mother without a sex life. Yes. Yes. Well, that's not you true. Do you do need to adopt. have one before the other. You can adopt, but for the yes, most part, yes. you can't be a mother without a sex life. And is also, like, perpetuates this cultural idea of, like, you can be an individual person or you can be a parent, but you can't be both. And, yeah. like, this weird disconnect that Bella is feeling from her child seems to perpetuate that notion because the disconnect seems to be coming from the fact that she doesn't feel like her personality and her identity is consumed by a child, which I think in a healthy, normal world, it shouldn't be anyway, but Stephanie Meyer doesn't perpetuate the ideals of a healthy, normal world. So in yeah. her, the situation that she has set up here, the fact that Bella can be an adult with a healthy sex life means that she is an inadequate or somehow disconnected mother. Which is very interesting because she doesn't seem or she doesn't feel disconnected from Renesmee. She feels disconnected from the idea of motherhood. Yes. So it's just, it's very, it's fascinating to me. And I think that we'll have more to talk about in this regard as time goes on, because we'll have more instances of Bella and Renesmee just interacting. Yes. But I just wanted to bring it up now to start, start talking about it, because we had some text 
here to start talking about. And I think it's more interesting than a lot of what happens in this chapter. I 100% agree. I also think that it's good to bring up now that for a book that is so grounded in typical Western conventions of everything, the way that this child is being raised is very non-Western. This idea of like, it like takes the a way village. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's literally what I was like. The way that Renesmee is being raised is the quite literal, it takes a village, multi-generational household. Like yeah. with Esme, Bella, and Renesmee all living in the same place. Like that is the prototypical multi-generational household that is so atypical in Western culture. Yeah. Again, for a book that is so rooted in like Western and particularly American traditional cultures in so many ways it is kind of wild to see how this particular aspect of it just super isn't. And maybe there is a Mormon tradition of multi-generational families that I am just very much not aware of that this is stemming from. That is entirely possible. I think, ah, oof, I can't say that. I have a single Mormon friend, so I can't make any kind of generalization. Um, but she has told me that they like to stay close to family. Not like same household close to family, but close enough to call home, you know? Yeah, or, like, that's drive home for dinner. That's my experience with the few Mormons I know, but I, I in agreement, I do not know enough don't, Mormons yeah. to make a generalization. But if Bella's conflict here seems to be a kind of conflict with like the conflict is almost with that Western ideal of parenting versus the non Western, like the non traditionally Western parenting structure that has been set up here because she's like guilty that she spent a night away from her baby when like it's fine her baby slept most of the time there were people watching like that baby i mean the baby is being cared for right accelerated growth schedules aside that baby's not going to remember who fed it at three in the morning right like yeah you can take a night away the fact that she feels guilty about that is like almost this like american value clashing with this other you know like yeah yeah no and I I literally had a conversation yesterday with um two other women about how mom guilt quite literally the guilt associated with being a mother and being I guess inadequate as a mother mm -hmm. is just so real yeah and that's exactly what Bella Bella is feeling at least in this at this point in the book, what I would say is irrational mom guilt. To take yeah. a night away from your child to have a, like, redo, a, like, non-hurting you. I, I don't want to say abusive because it was very clear in the honeymoon chapters of this book that Bella was okay with what was going on, which means that it was not abusive. But, yes. like, a non-painful redo of your honeymoon yes. is not does not make you an inadequate mother like no what she she has not taken a month off she took they took one night together that is not insane <laughs> yeah yeah <sighs> weird bonkers man the pressure put on women is absolutely wild yes yes <sighs> oh man <Yep. sighs> so moving on from the like very serious and very fraught women being, especially in the year 2020 and 2021, women being forced out of the workplace for childcare and women being like, have this unnecessary pressure be put on them for having a child because we're not going to get into the way the pandemic has affected that, but dear God, we because, could. Yes. Yeah, um, we, yeah, we could have, we, we could have a whole podcast, Jesus. whole separate podcast about that. Yeah. 
So moving away from that into something very stupid. <laughs> um, Edward can smell practical clothing. Uh, he, different clothes smell different, I guess. Yeah, he's. Bell is like smells like cotton. Yeah, Belle's like, I need to get changed so we can go back. And she goes into her closet and, like, unzips a bag, and it's, like, this satin, sexy dress. And she's like, oh, God, it's going to take me all year to find a practical outfit. And he, like, takes a big old sniff and is like, I found jeans. Yeah, basically, yes. That is 100% what happens. Yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, I get it on the level of, like, different fabrics do probably smell different to a species that has a better sense of smell than humans. But it's also absolutely fucking wild to just picture an a what what looks like an adult human man being like, God. It's even funnier when you remember that Edward looks seventeen. Right? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> the seventeen-year-old boy being like, "I have found a practical pair of pants." Like, what are yes. you doing? Oh, oh, and we have to keep in mind that um, Bella does have a moment afterwards. Yes, 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 like, yes, yes, yes. You yes, know. Yes. If I hadn't seen him naked, I wouldn't have thought there was anything more beautiful than Edward in his khakis and beige pullover. I also Buddy. wrote that down, and Buddy. I knew you would write That's that down. That's a monochrome outfit. It's, it's a beige monochrome outfit. Literally, oh it God. looks like rich yacht people gone boring. And I don't know how you oh. make rich yacht people more boring than they already are. Like, I don't, I, God, fucking this. Is, I guess this is how you do it. That's nuts. It's not. Stephanie Meyer needs to take her heart on for khakis and just leave. Throw it out the window. Stephanie Meyer clearly never went to private school or else she would not feel this way about khakis. Like, Jesus Christ. God. Maybe she would feel this way about khakis more and there's some weird, like, Catholic school kink that needs to be explored there. I don't know. Ew. Yeah, gross. But as someone who went to private school, like, uniformed private school for eight or nine years of my schooling... Khakis are absolutely repulsive to me. Like, as something that I had to wear for a while. Like, disgusting. Horrifying. We hate yeah. to see it. Yeah. No, thank you. Ugh. Uh, yes. There, there's also, like, this is not the point of this podcast. There are just so many better neutrals. The, yes. Yes, there are. Black. <sighs> Denim. Gray. Yes, gray's love a, a gray an excellent neutral. neutral. Oh, love a good gray neutral. Yes. Gray is my favorite neutral. You love to see it. You but love like, to see it. In pant, like if you need like a business, like a non-jean business neutral on the bottom, black gray, or gray slacks. are just so yeah. much better. Or navy. Or I've got navy blue. Navy was- as like navy slacks recently. Mm. Yeah. Na- navy is great. Like Jesus. Anyway, this yes. is like it doesn't matter. We've but it totally does. De- well, we haven't entirely derailed because I do want to make a point about how this is Bella's house. The closet shouldn't be this big. And yeah. the closet is described as being bigger than their bedroom, which is wild. And on top of that, when will Alice stop treating Bella like a doll? Yeah, I literally wrote, like, can't Alice just treat herself to all these clothes that she wants? Like, why does yes. she have to buy them for someone else? Oy. And I would like to chime in here with a, like, slight cultural relevancy point, which is that, like, One of Bella's, like, two-and-a-half personality traits that we have from her is that she does not care about what clothes she wears. So I do, like, Rebecca and I do latch onto that a lot because it is, like, one of the few consistencies in her character that we have to even have a meaning, like, to even start a meaningful discussion. Yes. I would like to just point out that it does very much contribute to the aesthetic 
of the, like, I am not like other girls that Bella cultivates to be, quote, relatable, and that, like, you are not less intelligent or less anything if you enjoy fashion and clothes. Oh, of like, course. And, and just, like, I know it's not that big of a deal, but, like, in a chapter in particular where we're, like, analyzing this closet that Alice gave Bella, I just want to say, like, as a person who, like, has a big and full closet and, like, does... I, I'm not, like, a fashion person. Like, I'm not, like, ooh, a, like, Givenchy, like, uh uh-huh, hmm. like, Prada, like... But I do like, like, I would say, and I have, I have had a hard time, like, saying this out loud because, you know, socialized, like, I'm not like other girls, I'm this, if I am a nerd and I'm smart, I can't be like this, like, I like clothes, I like having options, I like different styles, I like, well, I I have an aesthetic, but, you know, like, I do (laughs) like owning a lot, people who know me know that my aesthetic is just, like, boots and floral prints, like, that's my whole deal, um, (laughs) yeah. Which is fine, and I, I've, I've accept. I live with that. That's my cross to bear. Um, <laughs> but like, I like having lot, not like lots and lots and lots, but like, I like having like a decent, like a good amount of clothes. I like getting new clothes. I don't like getting rid of things, so I like having my options. Yeah. I just, and that's. It sounds like so unoriginal to be like, and that's okay. Like, I'm an Instagram influencer telling you that you're valid and it's okay to like what you like. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Love but, who you love. Love who you love and drink this tummy tea. Hashtag sponsor. <laughs> hashtag I'm so hot. Hashtag. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> hashtag astrology. Okay, that was just rude. But we're, we're moving on. Um, but. You know, but I do think it's worth just, like, people contain multitudes. That's not revolutionary. But it's, like, worth saying that, like, you don't have to like clothes or fashion. You can if you want to. Like, both are fine. The fact that Bella doesn't like fashion doesn't make her less of a woman or more of a cool character either. Yeah. And Alice should respect that part of her personality and identity regardless of how it portrays to the outside. And the fact that Alice likes fashion doesn't make her more flighty or girly or less intelligent or grounded than Bella is. And I think that 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 particular difference in those two characters is used as, like, a code for those things. And it shouldn't be because that's sexist. So, yeah, I agree. We do also need to talk about how Bella could put a stop to this if she had a boundary. Yes, for sure. Because Bella could also, she doesn't like shopping. This is well established. Girl, it's 2008. Go online. You know your own size. Your size is literally never going to change again. Yeah. You're rich. Go, Go buy the clothes that you want. Tell Alice, thank you. This is so kind of you, but no thank you. And live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Because you now have to live with Alice for the rest of literal eternity. So set a boundary. Yes, please, for once in your goddamn life. Yeah. Mm. So then they get back, and Bella says that Renesmee hasn't changed as much as she thought. Her hair has only grown a quarter of an inch. Hey, a quarter of an inch is a lot. That is quite a lot, particularly for hair. That's a lot for hair. Quite rapid. Um, she also does say that, um, where is, oh, her, perfor- her God, I can speak today. Her proportions are drifting from babyish to childlike. The fuck? This child is 
five days old. Hate that for us. Hate that for us. I absolutely hate that for us. Oh, God. Creepy baby. We also get some really spectacular Emmett roasting when he realizes the cottage is still standing. He says, what did you do all night? Talk about the national debt. Oh, it's such a good line. And unfortunately, I have, I have an anecdote to share. (gasps) Yes. So how did I not know this? You don't, you, I don't think I've told you this story before. So Colleen has shared a lot of embarrassing anecdotes over the literal years that we've been hosting this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is, it's now my turn. Um, (laughs) So I once, um, I don't know how this phrase came up, but I used the phrase in bed afterwards an inconvenient truth. We were discussing something, and I flippantly said uh, something, something, inconvenient truth. Um, and my partner at the time latched onto that and had a whole conversation about Al Gore's Al inconvenient Gore? truth documentary with me. No! In bed, yes. What? Wait, yes. I will bleep it out, but is it who I, it, who is it? Just tell me and I'll, <laughs> I promise. It was Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I'll bleep oh, that. It is shocking. Yes, which I like. Do I know anything about Al Gore other than like the bare minimum? No. Did I want to talk about this documentary? No. Man, this reminds me a little bit. This is so off topic and it's not like this is a short episode. So maybe this is not a good time to share this anecdote. (laughs) But this reminds me of that time that I watched the movie The Interview. Oh no. Should I share that anecdote? Oh, if you want. I'll I'll go very fast. So, um picture it. I'll do I'll do it Golden Girls. Picture it. William and Mary, uh 2015. Uh January or February, like early early winter, like late winter 20 but early 2015. Yeah. We we get a snow day called because there's a lot of snow in Virginia. And I have recently started dating a certain hunter. <laughs> and we both wake up and have the idea to text each other, hey, we should watch a movie today. I'm thinking, hey, we just started seeing each other a couple weeks ago. We're going to put on a movie that neither of us care about, and we're going to make out through it. It's going to... My parents listen to this. It's going to be... It's going to be spectacular, yes. Great. We're going to make... Netflix and, and, and chill, th- yes. And then Hunter recommends the movie The Interview, which... I had heard was a terrible movie, and I do not care for James Franco or Seth Rogen. So I was like, extra confirmation that this is a movie we're going to make out through. Because, yes. like, who would care about this movie? So I <laughs> talked to my roommate at the time who was, like, such such a like such a friend about it and was like, yeah, I wanted to go hang out with my friends anyway. Like, I'll give you a heads up. Like, she was leaving anyway, and I was just yeah, like, hey, yeah, can yeah. you give me a heads up before you come back? Because, like, Hunter is going to come so we can watch a movie and, like, Netflix we're going to make out a yeah. little. Yeah. And, um, she was like, yeah, like a hundred percent, absolutely get it girl. And then left. Yes. Hunter comes down. We sit on my bed. We watch the entirety of the interview. Just, we, we do watch it. (laughs) We do watch the entirety of the interview. (laughs) It's a bad movie. I was right. It's bad. And I have not, I like, I have forgiven a lot of things in our over six year relationship at this point. I have not let go of the fact that we fully watched the entirety of the movie, The Interview, when oh, all I wanted to God. do was like make out a little on a snowy day. That's yes. I remember that. That's really fucking funny. 
That was what your inconvenient truth anecdote reminded me of. Yes. Yeah. No, I do. <sighs> I, yeah. It just is wild. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Men are, men are too much. Ugh, three much, five me. Uh, I'm too much. <laughs> but um, bum, bum. Anyway, yes. moving on. Yes. Then we get to the, uh, the, the plotty part. Well, actually, before we get to the plotty part of this chapter, everyone's like, it's time to go to New Hampshire. Bella's already enrolled in Dartmouth. And I'm like, Bella's already missed all of her classes at Dartmouth. What are we doing? Yes, Bella's already failing Dartmouth. <laughs> so that seems unreasonable, but it does lead us into plot, which is that Jacob decided to tell Charlie what was going on. To keep, the, and the reason being, which isn't super explicitly laid out in the chapter until a little later, the reason being so that the Collins don't move to New Hampshire so that he can stay around Renesmee. Why he can't move to New Hampshire to stay with Renesmee, first of all, like, we're accepting that imprinting is real and not pedophilia, but why he can't move to New Hampshire to be with Renesmee is not ever addressed, particularly since he is now his own alpha, so it's not like he needs to stick around in Forks because his alpha is there for whatever bullshit reason. Like, it is yep. literally never made clear why he couldn't just follow them to New Hampshire if he had that deep, unabiding, like, unab unabating, fuck me, unabating mm -hmm. need to be with Renesmee. It seems like he could literally just move to New Hampshire, but... God forbid that ever be on the table once we have yes. to do the most selfish, most stupid thing imaginable. And on top of that, it is once again, a man driving the plot of this book forward. Yeah. Which is so frustrating because this is Bella's book. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of Jacob being the person to do that. I'm even more tired of him. Right. This felt like a betrayal to me personally, I was like, I thought we were out of the Jacob chapters. Like, I yeah, thought we were thought done we were with done. Jacob doing this bullshit. Yeah. God. Yeah. Also, Alice said fuck. It says yes. Alice said a word that sounds that sounded weird and unladylike in her, like, high voice. And I was like, Alice said fuck. Alice yes. Said fuck. I, the, that is literally my note. Let Alice say fuck. Let Alice say fuck. Anyway. Oh, please. But yeah, Bella is doing all of these, like, physical and mental, like, gymnastics and restraints to not murder Jacob, like, holding Renesmee when he comes in. Just kill him at this point. Like, there's no need to hold Put back. Put all like, out of our misery, please. It's... Yeah. J Jacob is being... I don't even really want to dissect the conversation that they have about it because Jacob is just being a dumb, selfish bitch. He feigns ignorance when Edward is like, do you realize how much pain Bella will be in trying to contain herself? And Jacob's like, this will be hard for Bella to not Bella eat her dad? Will what? Will be in pain? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Oh, no. My, act like my actions have consequences for other people? No. Oh no! They certainly, they certainly don't have consequences for me. <sighs> I like just, and they're all so God. mad at him, but trying so hard not to kill him. And I'm like, why are we trying so hard not to murder him? Like, let's why? just yeah, literally why have werewolf steak for dinner? Like, I don't know. Let's... I don't know. Yeah, wild. Yes, and he even says, "I did you a favor here." No, buddy, you forced her into doing what you wanted. It's 
And the end of this interaction when Jacob's like, hey, if this works, are we friends again? And Bella's like, I couldn't resist giving a little smile and shaking his hand. It's like, bitch, set a boundary. For once in your goddamn life. <sighs> I... Very frustrating. And we don't even get the movie scene because we get it from Jacob's second hand being like, I, like, Charlie got really upset when I stripped. And I'm like, God, I wish we had just gotten the movie scene where Charlie had to watch Jacob strip naked and turn into a wolf. Like Because the movie scene is spectacular. <gasps> the movie scene is very funny. Billy Burke is acting at 200% capacity and we absolutely love him for it. Billy we, Burke being the actor that plays Charlie. We really do. It's so good. It's so good. He is uh, just an incredible, impeccable performance. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. So, so then they have to do this because Charlie's on his way. And I guess we should clarify that what Jacob has done is phase in front of Charlie and then tell Charlie things are not as they seem and the less you know, the better. And Charlie has agreed, I want to know as little as possible, which is such a fucking Charlie X Machina. Yes. Like, oh, absolutely. I don't actually want to know anything. Oh, great. So what I thought was going to be plot is nothing. Yes. Because we, women can have everything. You know, Bella can keep her family and have her child, half human, half vampire baby. And she can go to college eventually. But no job. She doesn't get, she doesn't need a job. No. No. Women don't need to be working. It's, this is, oh sorry, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's just very, very frustrating. Um, And Stephanie Meyer can't have it both ways. Either Charlie is this competent local chief of police, or he's an ostrich with his head in the sand. He can't be both. He can't be both. Yeah. This is a petty note, but they give Bella contacts to disguise her red eyes, and Mm -hmm. she pops them in super easily. And I would just like to say, for the record, it took me 30 minutes to put contacts in the first time I did it, and 10... And ten minutes the second time, and then five minutes the third time, and it wasn't until the fourth or the fifth time where I could do it easily. So when she talks about when Charlie eventually gets there, like, excusing herself to the bathroom because the venom dissolved her contacts to just, like, pop in new ones. Like, no, bitch, that's not how contacts work, Stephanie Meyer. No, it does. It took it took me a really long time the first time to get contacts in my eyes. Once I'd gotten them in the first time, the second time I could do it really easily. But that first time took took a lot. The first time was bad. Yeah. Yes. Well, because you've got to trick yourself into being like, ah, yes. This Touch reflex. my eye. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then Oy. they're trying to teach her how to be human, and Jasper can emotionally sense how horny she is, which is so uncomfortable. It, it, deeply uncomfortable. And again, why Why bring the horniness back? Why, why do it? Oh, why? I did like the little human behavior lessons, though. They were, yeah. I like that, too. Um, I also really liked, um, there's a line in there when Carlisle goes to answer the door, which is, his stressed expression changed to one of welcome, like switching the channel on the TV, which is particularly evocative, I will say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Emmett has some great innuendos about oh their God. bland sex life in here as well. They're it's so just good. It's about time somebody scored around here. It's, yeah, and it's wonderful. It's just, like, a ray of light amidst this, like bullshit bait and switch because it was like finally plot and conflict that we're going to resolve in two to three pages with zero consequences jk no conflict yeah because bella has superhuman control and charlie is going to decide he wants to know as little as possible and is not curious as a detective chief of police probably would be kind of curious about mysteries yeah yeah 
So. Yeah. He does not want to talk to or interact with Jacob because you cannot unsee that peen, which is also very funny. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um, but. Mm. That's, I mean, there is some stuff, there is, like, a decent amount of the chapter that is, like, this awkward interaction with Charlie, but that's, like, I mean, it just, it, it's so disappointing that I didn't really take notes on it, because it's, like, okay, like, obviously he's not gonna, like, she's not gonna eat him. Yeah, And he doesn't want to know. Not. So, like, yeah. who gives a shit? Yes. Yep. It, like, it's, it's so frustrating. I just want actions in this book to have consequences. I'm, I want there to be conflict that has weight yeah me too for more than like three three pages yeah but that's apparently too much to ask for Ugh, god yeah yep 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 it's just frustrating also the fact that before charlie shows up edward looks at renesme his five day old daughter and says hey so um don't bite him and renesme is like yeah of course i won't bite him creepy it's so creepy i mean she doesn't say anything she can't talk yet um but she's five days old and she's like oh yeah i i totally understand like they talk about her understanding i and hate it's, it it's wild i hate it it's oh too much much yeah. too much yeah do you have anything else on this chapter um no not really i don't either no that's yeah it's, it's long, it's bad. Um, it's, yeah. There are no consequences. There are no consequences. If you want to discuss the lack of consequences with us, you can email us at trashlight at gmail.com. You can reach out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at trashlight. You can go to our Tumblr, trashlight-podcast.tumblr.com. You can go to our website, trashlight.simplecast.fm. And I think that is all of the things. Yes, I do believe it is. So on that note, bye. bye.